Once again this evening, I would like to ask you to um, turn to Acts chapter 15, and when you have found it, then turn to Galatians chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I have some interesting news to tell you. Um, today, when we went to lunch at um, Smithfield's Chicken and Barbecue, uh, yeah, <laughs> I really like that place. And the fellow I'm going to tell you about says he likes it too. But I went in and I saw a, a fellow kind of turning like he was going to leave. And um, I walked up to him and I said, if, um, if I'm correct, I believe that you are Congressman Hudson. And he said, Richard. I said, yes, sir. And um, I introduced myself. He said that he and his wife had just moved to Southern Pines over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And I told him how much we appreciate him and that we endorse him um, on our voter guides to encourage our people here at the church and as many people as we can to vote for him. And he said something that really struck me. He said, well, thank you. He said, pray for me. Now, that's not what struck me. I I've known a lot of politicians who would say that. But what he said next to me was very interesting, and it was encouraging. He said, pray for me because we're involved in spiritual warfare. That is somebody who has some understanding. And so I'm happy he's here in Southern Pines, and uh, that might help us with some access. I told him, I said, you know, it's encouraging uh, when a man that works in Washington, or lives in Washington, he said, well, I just work there. I said, okay. When, when a fellow who works in Washington will come inside Smithfield's Chicken and Barbecue, it can't be all bad. <laughs> so maybe we can get him up to the chuck wagon and uh, make a real Moore County fellow out of him. But anyway, I thought that was interesting and encouraging. Glad he's here. Um, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have tonight to study your word together. And we pray that you would teach us lest we meet in vain. And um, override um, anything that might be said that would not uh, bring glory and honor to you. Take it from our minds and impress upon our hearts your word we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening we want to try and finish our comparison of Acts 15 and Galatians 2. And what we have seen, what we've been talking about, is that this 14-year period that Paul mentions here in verse 1, after which he went up to Jerusalem, uh, corresponds to what we read in Acts 15. And if that is the case then what we have here in Galatians chapter 2 is Paul's commentary 
inspired by the Holy Spirit on the events that took place there. Last week we saw in verse 3 that these Pharisees, we find them identified in Acts 15 and verse 5, these false brethren, that's what the Spirit of God calls them here in Galatians 2 and verse 4. They practiced what they preached. They preached, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. And they practiced that because when Paul comes to Jerusalem, you remember he and Barnabas and um, Titus go up with these um, Judaizers. They're going to meet in Jerusalem to resolve this controversy. Uh, when Paul comes to Jerusalem and he brings Titus, who was a Greek, who was a Gentile, uh, immediately these Pharisees, these false brethren, tried to compel Titus to be circumcised. Titus was the, the test case. These two diametrically opposed sides, law, salvation by works, and salvation by grace through faith apart from any works are meeting head on in Jerusalem over Titus. Does he have to be circumcised to be saved? Or has he been saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? And so Paul says here in verse 5, to whom we gave place these false brethren, by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul stood firm on the gospel of Christ against all the pressure to compromise. He would not surrender the truth. And Paul tells us the reason he would not compromise in verse 5. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. We mentioned last week that what was at stake here was the truth of the gospel. If Paul had agreed for Titus to be circumcised, then the truth of the gospel would have been compromised. The truth of the gospel that salvation is by grace through faith apart from any works of the flesh, it could not continue. If Paul had given in and circumcised Titus, then it would have been true that he was running and indeed had run in vain. His ministry up to that point would have been null and void. Now I'd like to suggest an order here as we continue thinking about how Galatians 2 fits into Acts 15. If you look back at Acts chapter 15 for just a minute. We noted last week in verse 4, and when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. I believe that the apostles and elders are the ones who Paul is talking about in Galatians chapter 2. If you look back there, and um, verse 2, 
I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation. That's the apostles and elders. Look at verse 6. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whosoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's persons. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference... In conference, this is the private meeting in verse 2 with the apostles and elders added nothing to me. Now Paul is not expressing any disrespect for the apostles and elders. He's not expressing disrespect for James and Cephas and John. He's underscoring the fact that it is not men who are important. We don't like to think about that, do we? It's not men who are important. It's not men that we're to follow. doesn't matter who they are. It is God. It is His Word. It is the truth of the Gospel that we're to follow. Now, verses 3, 4, and 5 here in Galatians chapter 2. Standing against these false brethren, unawares brought in. We see that language in verse 4. And by the way, that's how false brethren will always come in. They aren't going to come in with shirts on that say, false brethren. They're always going to come in unawares. Look over for just a minute, if you will, at the book of Jude. The book of Jude. There is, I believe, a correlation between what we're going to read here in Jude and what we're talking about concerning Paul and what took place in Jerusalem. Look at Jude verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a connection that I'd like to suggest to you between verses 3 and 4. And the connection is earnestly contending for the faith. The words earnestly contend are one Greek word. It's number 1864 in the Greek dictionary of your Strong's Concordance. And it comes from a word that means to strive, to fight, to contend 
with adversaries. And our adversaries, like our weapons, are not carnal. They aren't physical. They aren't flesh and blood. They're principalities and powers. They're the rulers of the darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness in high places. And so earnestly contending for the faith is another way of saying spiritual warfare. The kind that Congressman Hudson, Hudson mentioned. The kind that he is involved firsthand in, in Washington. And an important part of the spiritual warfare is identifying these certain men who will creep in unawares. And the way to identify those who are seeking to creep in unawares, the way to identify the ungodly men whose purpose is to turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ is to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. To put a difference between those who are contending for the faith and those who are trying to creep in unawares to undermine the faith. This is why the church of the last days is in the shape that it's in. The church is not earnestly contending for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And if a church is not earnestly contending for the faith, then it is compromising the faith. If a church is not earnestly contending, striving, meeting the adversaries, if a church is not doing that, if a church is not earnestly contending for the faith, then it is compromising the faith. And when that happens, certain men will creep in unawares because the standard's been lowered. The standard's been compromised. The, the, the Word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart, then it's, it's moved out of the way. It's not being earnestly contended for. And certain men will creep in unawares. Ungodly men who will turn the grace of God into lasciviousness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why every church in this county is not on the Lord's side, not on our side, but on the Lord's side and standing against the drag show next Saturday. God's people are not earnestly contending for Genesis 127. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. Male and female created he them. If a church is not earnestly contending for Leviticus 18.22, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. And Deuteronomy 22.5, 
The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do are abomination unto the Lord thy God. If a church is not earnestly contending for Psalm 100 and verse 3, know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Then those churches are compromising those verses. And certain men will creep in unawares. Ungodly men who will turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness it's very instructive that the Spirit of God would give Jude that particular word to use here in this context. That word lasciviousness means unbridled lust. It means sexually unrestrained. It means lawless and immoral behavior. And if churches are not earnestly contending for the faith of those verses and others... They are part of the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And if churches are not earnestly contending for these verses of the faith, then they will compromise the faith. And they will accept the unbridled lust and the sexually unrestrained and, and lawless and lewd and immoral behavior of the LGBTQ movement in the name of diversity and inclusion and being welcoming. By welcoming, they mean non-judgmental, the accepting of their sin. Sometime when you're riding through the countryside and you pass uh, churches... Look at how many of them have a sign out front that says, we are a welcoming congregation. Well, we're a welcoming congregation to anybody that wants to come in and hear the truth of the Word of God. What so many of these other churches mean by that is we're non-judgmental. We are going to criticize what you have decided to be. We are diverse in our thinking. We're accepting in our thinking. We will accept your sin. We aren't going to judge you. And God's people in this hour, earnestly contending for the faith, will expose the ministries who aren't. Who aren't. Where certain men have crept in unawares. Ungodly men who've turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think Paul is somewhat of the proof of this. Paul was earnestly contending for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And as a result, these certain men who had crept in unawares, these ungodly men. And don't forget, it's very important that we don't forget where they had crept into. The first church in the New Testament. The church that was born on the day of Pentecost. The church at Jerusalem where all of these pillars were. And I keep thinking about that. Because 
I think we mentioned in another message, if it can happen to the church at Jerusalem, it can happen here. The church at Jerusalem, that's where these certain men had crept in unawares. And they had turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, look at Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. Acts 15 and verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Look at verse 5. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, the Gentiles, Titus, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, look at Galatians chapter 2. In verse 3, But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. I believe that Paul's earnestly contending for the faith, that salvation is by grace, through faith, apart from any works of the flesh. He's going to write here in the book of Galatians, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. His contending for the faith exposed these certain men unawares brought in. It, his contending for the faith exposed these ungodly men who had turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ by teaching that except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. And Paul's earnestly contending for the faith privately in conference we see the word privately in, in Galatians 2.6 and in conference in Galatians 2 and verse 6. Well, verse 2 and verse 6. And he is contending for the faith privately in conference to them which were of reputation. And then publicly, I believe, uh, he, he contended for the faith publicly when there had been much disputing I believe it empowered and emboldened and woke up Peter, if you will, to earnestly contend for the faith. And folks, it always will. It always will. If you and I will take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, it may not embolden every uh, every Christian, every believer. It may not empower every believer. But when we earnestly contend for the faith, it will embolden and empower some to do that. Look, look at Acts chapter 15 and, and look at verse 7. And when there had been much disputing, 
Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. We read about that in Acts chapter 10 when um, the Lord sent Paul, or rather, I'm sorry, Peter, uh, down to the house of Cornelius. And God, which knoweth the hearts... Bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us. Verse 9, And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Peter is earnestly contending for the faith. He's saying that Titus, this Greek, this Gentile, he doesn't have to be circumcised to be saved. Exactly what Paul was standing for. Peter says his heart... The hearts of the Gentiles are purified by faith. Titus, the Gentile, is saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just like we were. And I'm sure verse 10 lit these Judaizers up. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. And when Peter joined Paul in earnestly contending for the faith, look what happened in verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silence. Now, contrast that with verse 7. And when there had been much disputing, it wasn't silence in that meeting room. But after Peter rose up and gave this message, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. This, this meeting completely changed. It completely changed when Paul earnestly contended for the faith. The false brethren were exposed. P 
Peter and the other uh, apostles and elders, they're empowered to stand for the truth of the Word of God. That's why it's so important for you and I to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, I believe that this is what Paul is talking about in Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. If you'll turn back to Galatians 2 again. And look at verse 7. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, the multitude kept silence. They gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. But I want to say something about verse 7. Contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. Paul is not saying here that there are two gospels. The gospel of the circumcision that was committed um, to Peter and the gospel of the uncircumcision that was committed to him. There aren't two gospels. Romans 3.22 says... The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, is unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. No difference between who? Romans 10 and verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the Gentile. For the same Lord over all, is rich unto all that call upon Him. Look over a page at Galatians chapter 3 and uh, verse 22. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So there aren't two Gospels. That's not what Paul is saying. There's only one Gospel. And the Lord sent Paul with the one and only Gospel to the uncircumcision, the Gentiles. Remember when he said back in Acts chapter 13, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And the Lord uh, sent Peter with the one and only gospel to the circumcision, the Jews. And that's confirmed for us here in verse 8. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, that's the Jews, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Verse 9. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, that's the Gentiles, and they unto the circumcision, that's the Jews. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. These verses would seem to correspond to Acts chapter 15 
and verse 22. If you'll make one more turn to there. Look at Acts chapter 15 and verse 22. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own and company, their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch, in Syria, and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words. Remember, that's what Paul said to the Galatians, there be some that trouble you. Subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you, listen to these words, with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds like the right hands of fellowship, doesn't it? It sounds like the right hands of fellowship and approval and commendation from James, Cephas, and John and the apostles and elders with the whole church. And so again, I believe we see how this second chapter of Galatians fits into Acts chapter 15. Now, there's one other point that we want to see between these two passages. But we don't have time to get into it tonight. So, Lord willing, we will start with Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11 next week where Paul says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. We want to talk about that next week. But the point that I hope we see tonight is the importance of our earnestly contending for the faith. Because if we're not earnestly contending for the faith, then we will compromise the faith. And the result will be, it was the result that took place in what many would argue was the strongest church in the history of the church. There would be some that would argue that. Look at the people that were in it. But if we are not earnestly contending for the faith, then we will compromise the faith. And the result will be that certain men will creep in unawares, unexposed, ungodly men who will turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord help this church to ever, ever, until the Lord comes, may find us earnestly contending for the faith. Father, we thank You for these moments together to, to look into Your Word.
and we pray that you would use your word in our hearts. We pray that you would help us to see the need to earnestly contend for the faith and to contemplate the fact that if the church which was at Jerusalem could have men creep in unawares, then certainly it can happen here. We pray that you would keep us faithful to you until you come. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.